0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So, you are Simon, the son of John? You shall be called Kephas, which means Peter. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You please be seated. First of all, I'd like to say it's very nice to look out and to see so many of your faces again. I was a little worried that I might be here tonight and have nobody here given last night's presentation. I didn't scare anybody away. So thank you for coming back and For those of you who are joining us for the first time this evening, uh, hopefully you'll receive uh, something that the Lord wishes to share with you in tonight's discussion. So I'm the type of person that likes to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'll tell it to you, and then I'm going to tell you what I just told you, okay? So bear with me. Uh, I hope that doesn't annoy too many of you, but too bad if it does, because I'm the one up here, right? So last night just as a little bit of a review for those who might be joining us for the first time, we discuss the necessity of having a prayer life. Now, I think many of us intuitively and intrinsically kind of know that this is necessary, but as they say, the longest distance to travel in the human body is between the head and the heart. Just because we know that we all need a prayer life and a relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that we actually desire this as we should. So the first step in developing a prayer life is being honest with yourself and with God. Do you desire to have the prayer life with God that He desires with you? Do you always want to pray? And it's okay, as we said last night, if the answer is no. Because the next step is to recognize that what we want really doesn't matter in the end. The most important virtue in developing a spiritual life is perseverance. I'm sure Jesus didn't always necessarily feel like carrying his cross. And in fact, we know in the garden, he prayed that this chalice might pass from him. But he did it anyway. And then I went on to talk about the three categories that we might fall into if we don't have that relationship that we desire. First, we may not actually desire a relationship with the Lord as we ought. Second, perhaps we have too high of expectations for that relationship, and therefore we don't pray as we would like. Or third, maybe we're cut off from going deeper with the Lord due to some sin in our lives. And so I encourage you to be honest and to begin to pray for a deeper desire, to try not to set too high expectations on your prayer life, to pray as you can, not as you can't, and finally, to make it a point to go to confession regularly, to restore those lines of grace between you and the Lord. All right, so that brings us now all up to speed. And so tonight we can delve back into our next topic of building this relationship with God. And that's spending time with the Lord. Now, if we continue to tease out this analogy of developing a relationship with another person, then we can go like so. When you first begin to know someone, you have to be willing to enter into conversation with them. That's the communication side. That's prayer, as we talked about last night. But once the foundations of communication have been laid then you have to start spending more and more time with that person, actually in their presence. See, if you only started talking to someone, and you said, okay, now you go your way, I'll go my way, and we'll meet up maybe, let's say, once a week for about an hour, and then we'll separate again, and we'll come back once every week for about an hour, it would be hard to really develop any substantial relationship with a person, Right? Generally speaking, you probably begin when you're developing a relationship with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you begin by spending several hours together a week, and then the more you begin falling in love with this person, the more you desire to spend more and more time in their presence, to the point where, for family and friends, when they're looking for you, it's no wonder where you are, because you're probably with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Well, if you were with me last night, you know where I'm going with this. When we decide to seek an intentional relationship with the Lord, then we have to spend time with Him, regular time in His presence. In our gospel today, the disciples of John, when they heard Jesus was the Messiah, began to follow Him. And what does our Lord say? He says, What do you want? They said, Lord, where are you staying? He says, come and see. And then what do they do? They go and they stay the day with Him. When we realize that we actually desire and want this relationship with Christ that He wants with us, then the next step is to spend time in His presence, as His disciples did. But what exactly does this spending time in His presence look like? Now, some of us might think that it's quiet prayer. Or others might think that it's going to Mass. Or maybe some might even think that it's spending time in Eucharistic adoration. And the answer is that it's all of these things. They're all part of spending time with the Lord. Because there are multiple aspects to what we call the body of Christ. First of all, I would say that spending time in the Eucharistic presence of the Lord is necessary to building a deep, and meaningful relationship with Christ. Now, you you don't have to spend hours and hours at a time or even half an hour in the Eucharistic presence, but spend the time that you can give to the Lord, quality time. Not every parish offers perpetual adoration, but most parishes have the church open at some point throughout the day where you can stop in and be with the Lord present in the tabernacle. Drop in, be with him, spend time with him. Now, some people might question this and say, well, why is that necessary? Why do I have to be with the Lord in the Eucharist? Isn't God everywhere? And the answer is yes, He is everywhere. And you can spend time with Him everywhere. However, being with the Lord in the Eucharist is special. There are true graces that we receive from being with the Lord in His Eucharistic presence. Not to mention the fact that Jesus' presence in our lives is altogether different than his presence in the Eucharist. Think about the difference between speaking with someone that you love over the phone rather than sitting across from them and having a face to face conversation. We can have meaningful conversations over the phone, and those are great, but they don't replace sitting with someone, especially when we're falling in love with the person. Those phone conversations become trite. We need to be in the presence of the one we love. We long to be in the presence of the one that we've fallen in love with. So too with the Lord. When we fall in love with Christ, we long to be in his presence. And while praying with him in the privacy of our homes or even outside in nature is great, why wouldn't we want to sit in his true and real presence when we have that opportunity to do so in church right now? We have such a great gift. Why not take advantage of it on a regular basis? St. Teresa of Calcutta, or Mother Teresa, once said, On the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. From the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus continues to say to each of us, I thirst. He thirsts for our personal love, our intimacy, our union with him in the Blessed Sacrament. A second aspect of spending time with the Lord is by reading sacred Scripture. You know, that book on your shelf that's probably gaining a little dust because we Catholics aren't necessarily known for reading Scripture regularly. Now, we read the Bible at Mass, but we have to spend time reading the Bible on our own as well, coming to know the Lord and coming to grips with His very Word. We can't do all the talking. Christ has given us His Word in sacred Scripture. He has a lot to say to us, and we have to spend the time to get to know what He wants to say to us. Scripture is the very Word of God in written form. It's the very Word that was spoken to us before the world began, because we know from St. John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here in Scripture, we have the very Word of God that was with God in the beginning and through whom all things were made. Sacred Scripture reveals to us who Christ truly is. It's the Word made flesh in written form. St. Jerome tells us that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. By putting in the time to read Sacred Scripture, we're taking the time to get to know the Lord and to spend our days with Him, walking in His footsteps, sitting at His feet, learning from Him. And hopefully the more that we read and the more time we spend with the Lord, the more that our hearts will burn with a desire to be with Him. Now at first, it's probably going to be difficult and slow going to actually come to desire to read Scripture. And at times we might realize that our lives are not always living in accord with the words that we read. But if we're truly seeking a relationship with Christ, then we won't shy away from this. And over time, we might actually begin to change the way that we live in order to reflect what we read in the Scriptures, in order to become the men and women of virtue that God is calling us to be. So Jesus is present to us in the Eucharist. He's present to us in Sacred Scripture. And finally, He's also present to us in His body, the Church. That third and final way of spending time with our Lord is not just by going to Mass, but also by doing acts of charity for one another, for our neighbors. We're told by St. Paul that we're all members of the body of Christ. And just as any body has different parts, so too the body of Christ. We all make up the one body. Thus, when we minister to the members of the body, we're ministering to the whole body of Christ. His mystical body, the church. So a third way that we can spend time with the Lord is by working with the poor and the underprivileged in our communities and in the world. Now, not everybody has the time or the means to go on mission trips, to leave everything and to go off on a faraway journey. But that's not always necessary. Even if it's something as simple as taking the time to listen to someone who needs us to listen to them. That's ministering to the body of Christ. We might not always think of this as an act of ministering to those in need, but it's a great ministry. Think about how many times in our Gospels our Lord encounters another person, and he actually takes the time to listen and to speak with them. Jesus never saw a person that he just passed by, but he always looked them in the eyes and dared to ask the question, how can I help you? We live in a world that promotes self-centeredness. And oftentimes, we ourselves are overwhelmed by our own troubles and our own busyness. We don't have the time to sit and to just be with someone else. We have to get home. We have work to do. We have to cook. We have to do laundry. We have to get ready for tomorrow's job. But there are so many people out there in our world who just need someone to take notice of them and to treat them as important, as love. Jesus tells us, whatever you do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do for me. Are we willing to ignore Christ in the person next to us? This way of spending time with the Lord is probably the most difficult for people, I would say. Most people can get behind praying before the Eucharist or taking time to read Scripture, but Father, don't ask me to engage with another person. I don't have time. Well, until we can begin to see each and every person as loved by God, then we'll never develop the relationship that God wants to have with us. Once again, I draw your attention to St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. She began by working with the poorest of the poor in India. She treated these people who were dying with dignity and respect as fellow human beings loved and cherished by God. Now, she didn't work any major miracles in her life, but she's a saint nonetheless because she loved, and her love for others changed the world. Now, think about it. What do you do when you're falling in love with someone, and at first maybe you don't particularly like the person's family or his, his or her friends? Eventually, if you truly love this person, you've got to get over it. You realize that you can't just ignore their family or friends or avoid the in-laws all the time. Eventually, it becomes a hurdle in the relationship, right? So too if we love God. We have to love the people that God loves. If we want to fall in love with Christ, we have to begin to love His body. Each and every person that we encounter, here, at home, and in the world. If we want to spend time with Him, with all of him, then we have to be willing to spend time with the lonely, with the outcasts, with the downtrodden. We have to show love to everyone, which includes those people that we might not necessarily like. And we all have those people, right? When was the last time that we gave a few dollars to someone in need, maybe on the street corner? Now, maybe you're like me, and you think to yourself, I'm not going to give them money because they're probably going to use it for some nefarious means which is okay. But then the question is, do you use the money that you would have given to give to some other charity? Or maybe do we just use it as an excuse to not give money at all? When was the last time that we took the time to listen to someone else's problems? Not just our husbands or wives, but someone maybe we don't necessarily care to speak to because they tend to go on and on and on and we don't have time for that perhaps we could take the time this week to offer a consoling shoulder or a compassionate ear to someone. When was the last time we considered working in a soup kitchen or helping with some other charitable organization? We don't have to spend our lives working for the poor like Mother Teresa did, but we could all probably take one Saturday or Sunday morning and spend a little time with the less fortunate on occasion. When have we shown a little love to those members of the body of Christ who are so neglected and so in need of love and compassion. Communication and personal prayer are key to a relationship with Christ. We've shown that. But we can't simply rely on an interior communication to foster that deep relationship that we desire. In order to develop a lasting relationship with another person, we have to be willing to spend time in the presence of that person, day in and day out. We have to be comfortable in the presence of the one we love if we wish to have a deep and meaningful relationship. This means we have to engage time before the body of Christ in the Eucharist, in adoration at Mass, or just in an empty church before the tabernacle. We also have to become familiar with Christ contained in Scripture. And we have to be willing to spend time with his mystical body, the church, in each and every person that we meet. When we come to spend time with the body of Christ in all its forms, then and only then will we begin to fall more deeply in love with him. This leads me finally to our last step in falling in love and developing this relationship with Christ that we all desire. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here tonight. In our gospel from St. John, after Andrew encountered the Lord... And then he spent the day with him. He spent time with him. What was that third step? He went to his brother Peter. And he said, we found the Messiah. Come and see. Love, true love, cannot be contained. True love must be shared with others. When a couple falls in love... Think about it. They're probably some of the most annoying people you've ever been around, right? Because all they want to do is look at this other person and talk about the person that they love and tell you about what he or she did today and this and that, and you don't want to hear it. Now, in any relationship, if the couple simply spent all their waking hours together, they'd probably get pretty tired of one another pretty quickly. At some point, it's necessary to bring friends and family into this relationship, And for most people, this is the exciting moment, the moment when they get to share the person that they love with other people and tell them why they love him or her. In turn, sharing your beloved with others and receiving affirmation from them solidifies the relationship and reinforces the love that you have for that person. Over time, as this love continues to deepen and grow, it might even develop into a marriage. And within the context of married love, a husband and wife can't even contain their love between the two of them because eventually it usually results in a third person, a child. Love can never simply be kept between the two people in love. True love always goes out of itself and draws other people into itself. So too in our relationship with God. You can tell when someone is truly on fire for the Lord or in a deep relationship with their God because generally that person has to talk about God all the time in some way, shape, or form. Not in any annoying way, but in a very genuine way. It's as if they just can't help but talk about God. It just comes out in their regular conversation. So how are we to bring others to know Christ without being annoying or turning them off? Well, I would say precisely by the way we live our lives. St. John tells us in his letters, whoever seeks to abide in Christ ought to live just as he did. If we wish to live in Christ, to have a relationship with him, then we ought to live just as he did. Now, sure, there is time to talk about Christ and to tell people about him with our words, but we all know that the way we live our lives says so much more than the words we use. What comes out of our mouths isn't of much value if it's contradicted by what we do each and every day. We have to live in such a way as to radiate Christ at all times. And I would suggest that we do this by making Christ visible, by making Christ lovable in the sight of the world, and by making Christ admirable in the sight of the world. So what do I mean by this? Well, first, we make Christ visible by always seeking to act in a manner befitting the gospel. Now, think of someone in your life, and I'm going to give you a moment to quietly reflect. Think of someone that you would describe as Christ-like. Now, when you've got that person, think about the qualities that to you make this person like Christ. What is keeping you from exhibiting those qualities in your own life? Nothing. Nothing, except for maybe that you've already decided that you can't do it. If we believe we can't be like Christ, then guess what? We can't. We're all called to be humble, to love others with a sincerity of heart, to be kind and compassionate, to speak gently with others. To forgive those who have wronged us, to pray for those who need our prayers. These are all qualities of Christ in Scripture. It's so easy to allow ourselves to be influenced by our surroundings. How often do we allow ourselves to be crushed by the things that happen around us? The people that put us down or put faith down and religion down, the temptations that we encounter. Why is it so difficult to be the leaven that penetrates those situations and transforms them, rather than allowing the negativity to work on us? When we're surrounded by people who don't love God and don't care for a relationship with Him, what do we do? Oftentimes, we allow ourselves to be swept away by their sentiments and to join in their revelry. It's easier for us to swim with the current than against it. But have you ever seen a salmon swimming upstream? No matter how difficult it is, the salmon knows that it's better for him to get upstream, because that's where he needs to be. He fights against the forces of nature to do what needs to be done. Well, if a fish knows that the difficult path is the most fruitful one, then shouldn't we? Let us not give in to the temptation to hide our faith around others, or call people to task. Why should we be ashamed to speak about the Lord in certain company? Why should we apologize for having a deep relationship with God? Let us always seek to make Christ visible in what we say and particularly in what we do. And so long as we're living as we're desiring others to live, then no one should have an argument against us. Secondly, we can share Christ with others by making him lovable in the sight of the world. Not only do we have to demonstrate Christ in what we do and in what we say, but we also have an obligation to make the life that we're living attractive to other people, lovable in their sight. Have you ever had a discussion with someone about religion, and they say, they say something like, religion's all about what you can't do. You can't do this, and you can't do that. So I don't really want a part of religion. For many people, religion is a negative thing. Because it focuses on the things that they're not able to do. As if not sinning is missing out on something. It is missing out on something. It's missing out on something that's harmful to your soul. You'll never be able to convince someone that a relationship with Christ is the way to go if we only ever portray the faith as thou shalt not. Think about it. Have you ever met someone who fell in love with their husband or wife simply because he or she is not ugly. Probably not, right? We don't fall in love with someone who is not ugly. We fall in love with someone who's beautiful to us. Someone who attracts us. So too, when we only focus on what we can't do in religion and in discussing our faith with other people, then we won't get anywhere. What about the things that we can do? What about the beauty of a relationship with Christ? What about the blessings of living a life free from sin? What about the joy that comes from knowing God, truly knowing Him? That's what it means to make Christ lovable to the world. Speak to others about how much joy and how much happiness you experience from your relationship with the person of Jesus. That's what's going to bring others to want to know more about the Lord. And don't be afraid to smile on occasion. Just look happy. That attracts people to this life as well. Be joyful in everything you do and everything you say, and people will respond to that. And finally, in order to bring others to Christ, and bring Christ to others, we have to make the truth admirable. Words are great, but as we've already said, actions speak louder than words. And people tend to follow those who are above average in life, specifically those who we would deem to be heroic, Oftentimes I think about people in the military. Military leaders who have been successful have generally been so because they've demonstrated some heroic characteristics, and their soldiers want to emulate that and want to follow them into battle. They'd follow them even to death at times. John the Baptist had many disciples who lived a life of heroic virtue and followed after him because he lived his life admirably. He was a light shining in the darkness, as Scripture tells us. If we want people to come to know Christ, then we also have to be willing to live this heroic life of virtue, day in and day out. And it's not an easy task. It's easy to be mediocre or decent. It takes a little effort to be above average slightly. But to be heroic takes a lot of discipline, a lot of self-control, more than most people are willing to put forth. But why is that? There's a lot of people in our world who will put forth the discipline and the effort to be better athletes or to be better musicians. But when it comes to living a life of heroic virtue, I don't know. I don't know if I can put forth that effort and that discipline. Our defense mechanisms kick in, and usually we fall back to our old sinful ways because they're more comfortable. But every disciple must aim at being an outstanding disciple, not just an okay or mediocre disciple. Every disciple must strive to reproduce in himself or herself the very qualities of Christ. Outstanding detachment, outstanding boldness, outstanding spirit of sacrifice, outstanding charity towards others. Each of these makes the life of being a disciple of Christ admirable in the world. When people look at us, what do they see? Do they see men and women of humility and self-sacrifice? Or do they see men and women of selfishness and pride? Do they see men and women of mercy and forgiveness and gentleness? Or do they see men and women of unforgiveness and vulgar language and anger? Do they see men and women of chastity and love? Or do they see men and women of lustful desires and crude jokes? When people look at us, do they see us, you and me, or do they see Christ himself? Because when we're making Christ visible by our words and actions, lovable in the joy that we radiate to others, and admirable in sacrificing in living a life of service each and every day, then we're making Christ present in our very lives to all those we encounter and drawing them into that relationship that we desire to have with Christ. Now, my brothers and sisters, we've covered a lot, particularly tonight, because I had a lot to cover. But I'm going to let you know a secret. Everything that I've shared with you tonight is really not that difficult, and I probably could have given it to you in about three minutes. So I've wasted your time. But here's the secret. All I've done is shared with you what it means to be in a relationship with a person. That's what living the Christian life is about. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. We all know what it's like to fall in love with someone. Fall in love with the person of Christ. Communicate with Him. Pray with Him. Get to know Him in the Eucharist. Get to know Him in the Scriptures. Get to know Him in the people sitting next to you. And then draw other people into this very relationship. And I guarantee you that your relationship with the Lord will only continue to deepen and blossom with each and every moment of the day. I pray for you that this Holy Week might be an opportunity to fall deeply in love with your Christ. Thirst for Him, because I guarantee you, He already thirsts for you.